Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. Strap on your kicks, boys and girls. It's that time of the week again. Happy Tuesday. I've missed you. I've missed, I, I miss I've missed everything. making things. I miss everything. Leah, it's dark times, damn it. It's stupid times. I am not afraid to say I'm reaching my limit. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shot. I'm, I'm struggle busting it. It's hard. This whole world is just hard right now. Uh, it's, it's like finding motivation to run, finding, I don't know, it just, it, it just kind of, I'm, I'm not mentally in the best place right now. You know, and I think that a lot of people are there with you, myself yeah, included. Yeah, we're not alone, I we're not think, alone is the thing. You know, personally speaking, I had a rough day yesterday. I think that it all just kind of hit me. And I'm feeling overwhelmed, and I'm just struggling. Yeah. Well, you're not the, – the thing is, though, it's like when I struggle with stuff like this, what do, what do I do? I go find my other friends that are struggling. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I've always liked about OCR is, like, you don't have to look far to find another person struggling worse than, than kind of the situation you are in. And you can help each right. other out and, like, build each other up. But, like – now it's like, okay, you're struggling. Okay, I'm just going to go out into, and I made a post about this today, but it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go on a 13, 14 mile run. And it's like, I feel like I'm just being jettisoned out into space by myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's, you know, that's exactly right. I went on Saturday. I decided to just, I had to get out of my house. I, yep. you know, yes, I was safe and I distanced and all that, yep, but yep. I, I had to get out. And so I decided I was going to find a new area of trails to run and just oh, go. You're talking about this, yeah. And and I did and I found a gorgeous trails. I'm super excited. I love it. I'm definitely gonna be back. But just running out there, like at times there were people, you know, all I guess with similar ideas, but so much of it it was just me alone in the woods. You know, and it's like yeah. in some in some ways that's helpful to me, but in some ways it just kinda emphasized the whole solitude. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt Sunday morning. I was out. I was so I've got a run group here in Columbus, and we've been doing social distancing. We've been running from, and even with the new studies, they're saying they can do that. Right. But we've all been very, very adamant about staying, you know, six plus feet away from each other. But we'll go and we'll run, and some mm-hmm. will run, you know, two miles, and we'll run like twelve. But nobody came, and it was just me. And I looked mm-hmm. down like our busy like Main Street. And there was one car parked there at at a hotel at a apartment building, and that was it. Yeah, I saw a picture you posted. Yeah, and it's of just, you it's just in me. the middle of the freaking road, and it's well, and like nobody around. I stood there for like probably five minutes, yeah. and it's it was like something from a movie. It was right. really weird. Um, yeah, yeah, crazy times and. Mm-hmm. As always, if you guys are if you guys are having a rough time, and need somebody to talk to, reach out to us. Reach out to somebody mm-hmm. else in the community. Um, that's what we're, we're all here for. we're all going through the same thing. So there's no reason that you have to go through it alone. Absolutely. Um, that being said, we're trying to find new content right now for the supercast yeah. because you I've know, kind of been in a creative funk. <laughs> yeah. Well, we took last week off. We did. Um, and you know, we were upfront with you guys last time. We took a week off and. We don't really want to just put out podcasts of doom and gloom and moping and, or just you like know, nothing content, no information. Right. So, yeah. you know, we want to bring you guys useful information and have and interesting conversations, stuff. right, that we can all 
focus on the fun and focus on, you know, learning or whatever and not have to just worry about the current state of the world. Yeah, because it's there's no races happening. We can't talk about, like, what races are going on. Well, there's the... The virus ultra this weekend now apparently, but that's a yeah, that's back of tricks. Yeah, there's there's the virus. There's I mean there's all kinds of home. There's virtual runs. Yeah, the High Rocks Home Series. I think we're on week three right now. Savage Anywhere has some stuff. So you know there's 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 things out there to stay engaged and you know definitely do those. <laughs> but the community just doesn't feel like it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You know, but the importance of it is, is if, if, you know, what I remind myself, you know, it's easy to kind of pull back and try to, you know, and distance yourself. But if we want that community to come back, if we want there to be a sport to come back to, we need to stay engaged and we need to stay together. And whether that be the virtual stuff, whether that be Zoom chats or workouts, like take advantage of those. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, though, we've got a fun episode here this week here. We do. We Leah have goes sh- in. Uh, Leah, I don't think I've heard you fangirl harder for somebody <laughs> well, for, in a while. In a it's, while. It's, it's been, been a hot a while. second. <laughs> I, you know, I, admittedly, this has been a podcast I've been trying to put together for a couple months You've been, now. Oh, it's been like a year. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's been a while back and forth. Um but finally got things pulled together and was able to welcome Golden Harper onto the show today. Um, for those of you who don't know who Golden is, he is the founder of Ultra Shoes. Um, um, if you listened to our podcast a couple weeks ago, um, we we talked shoes and y'all learned about my love for Ultra at that point. You know, and, Ultra is a good shoe. Yeah, it it, it's a good shoe. And, you know, I think... I think what I like the most about Golden is just hearing science stuff and, and why, you know, why, why shoes work and don't work and whether it be ultra or not ultra, you know, knowing what's important in picking out a good shoe. Absolutely. And he's, I mean, the thing is also, he's a seasoned runner. He is a very talented, very, very talented athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, we can let him speak for himself. And we, without further ado, let's kick it over to the interview, Leah. And we are back here with Golden Harper, CEO and founder of Ultra Running Company. Welcome Just to the show. Just founder. <laughs> We've Just never founder. had a CEO. We don't do that thing. You, you uh, okay. Not about that life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for for joining us on the show, Golden. Um, you know, we recently did a shoe episode and kind of talked about different specific shoe models and, and whatnot. But, you know, having you on and being able to kind of talk about the company as a whole and kind of where y'all came from, um, I think it's a it's a really interesting story. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, stoked to be on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't you just kind of give us the rundown? How did you just get into the decision of I'm going to create a new shoe? Uh, you know, I've been in shoes my whole life. And, uh, you know, my my dad worked for multiple shoe companies when I was growing up. Okay. And uh, then we uh, opened a, a specialty running and walking shoe store when I was nine. Started working there right away. Uh, worked, uh, you know, even worked full time starting at a pretty young age uh, through the summers and whatnot. And and you realize that most people go to buy shoes because something's off, something's not quite right. Um, usually something hurts. And I wanted to be the best at being able to help people, uh, you know, through that situation and, and help them to feel better and get better. And so I decided to study um, everything about shoes and uh, foot problems and running injuries in college. And, you know, long story short, I basically found out that the way I had been selling shoes to people and the way shoes are built, I'd been lying to people my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. Shoes have historically not been made based on widespread scientific information, but based on marketing. And, um, you know, I had to come back to my shoe store after going to college and go back to sh- selling shoes and realizing that virtually every shoe I sold in my store uh, caused foot problems, caused running injuries, 
um, and wasn't wasn't really helping. And that's that's kind of a bad place to be. So mm-hmm. that was the foundation for uh, I guess the why of why I decided to end up uh, experimenting with shoes. Okay, and you say experimenting. So how how did this process begin? Because obviously everything that was already out on the market. You said was no good. So how did you? What shoes did you start ripping up? Yeah, <laughs> and making prototypes. Yeah, just about everything. You know, all of our best-selling shoes in our store um, were things that that I started ripping up and prototyping off of, and and not with the intention of starting a new shoe company by any means. Uh, the intention was actually just to see what best helped my customers, and and actually just to test the science. Um, you know, there's just so much widespread information out there. We know, for example, that 73% of Americans report foot pain every year. And yet, if we go to the billion people on the planet that don't wear modern shoes, only 3% of them have any foot pain. And that's not reported. That's us going and begging them, uh, you know, to uh, tell us what's wrong. And their foot pain is all acute, short-term, stubbed your toe, stepped on something sharp, cactus, dropped something on me, got a fungus, etc. Our Foot pain is largely all chronic. We have it for years, um, weeks, months, years, a lifetime. Uh, plantar fascia issues, heel pain, arch issues, uh, you name it, you know, bunions, neuromas, uh, nerve pain, etc. And so, um, so, and, you know, you can go back to the 70s and find uh, the, the, the guy who wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica on foot problems, Dr. William Rossi, and on footwear, and he basically blames all the shoes and he says, shoes take your foot out of its natural position. We're literally deforming our foot all day, every day. And we wonder why we have all these chronic foot conditions as our foot physically changes shape. And he basically says that uh, he was basically saying that, you know, uh, we're doing Chinese foot binding on a little bit smaller scale. Uh, we put our feet that are naturally shaped very square into shoes that elevate our heels, push up on the medial side or the arch side, um, and crowd our toes together and physically change the shape of our feet over time. And then, of course, they don't work as well. And the arch doesn't work and things break down and things start to hurt. Um, and so that was kind of the foot side of things. And interestingly enough, I had actually did two, done two years of school in Hawaii and did a lot of, uh, just out of necessity, there was no road to run on there. So you either ran on the beach or you went trail running. And so I ended up doing a lot of barefoot on the beach and it, it transformed everything about me as a runner. Um, you know, I, all my injuries that I had dealt with in college, uh, which is why I went out there in the first place, a lot of it went away. Um, I rebuilt my foundation and got a lot stronger and basically became injury proof as a result. Um, and so I'd firsthand seen the benefits as well. And then to see the research backing up the, you know, the way cushioning works and, um, and doesn't work, for example, which we can get into later. Um, but, uh, as, as I got looking into, um, running injuries as a whole, uh, it's the same kind of thing. You go back to the fifties before we had, uh, running shoes with any kind of foam, before we had shoes with any cushioning, before we had shoes with any support devices and running injuries were lower back then. Um, and not just lower numbers, but lower as a percentage, lower per capita, um, you know, lower as a percentage of the running population. And the injuries were very, very different than what we have now as well. Um, for example, Achilles injuries were basically non-existent back then. And now that we've been elevating our heels for 50 years, uh, our Achilles are slowly shortening and atrophying, uh, as lo- as well as the whole posterior chain. And then a and then eventually people's Achilles give out. So, you know, Achilles injuries are, are double-digit growth injuries every single decade. They've got double digits worse than the previous decade um, since since we've been having elevated heel shoes. Um, and then, of course, you know, you see the typical uh, shin, knee, um, you know, shin splints, IT band, uh, patellofemoral, runner's knee, you know, typical uh, running injuries, hip and low back issues that you see. And they're just so prevalent. And again, uh, you just didn't see nearly as much of that uh, back before we had shoes um, with any sort of cushioning and support. And the science really, really backs this up. I mean, science shows that cushioning does not protect beyond where cushioning is. Um, so it's it's largely protective. You know, cushioning will protect the foot. It'll take pressure off the foot. 
um, but it's not going to protect your shins, your knees, your hips, your lower back. And, and you just think of the mechanism of it. We're hitting the ground with 500 pounds of force. To think that one inch of some kind of super foam is going to do anything against 500 pounds of force is just really naive, and it's just really, really good marketing is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I just got tired of selling snake oil to my customers um, at the end of the day. And I think it, it was well-intentioned, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't it think came anybody – from a place where it was, it was marketed to you to sell it that way. Absolutely, and I think every – you know, virtually every shoe salesperson uh, in every shoe store in the country is is just doing what they think is best. Um, yep. with the, with the limited information that's made to them. Unfortunately, we don't have any way, there, there's no school for, for selling athletic shoes. Um, there's no, there's, there's actually not even any school in America for designing athletic shoes. Um, and we don't teach on scientific principles. Every, what everybody learns is what's marketed to them. And, and of course, you know, what running magazines are, are saying, which is largely what's marketed to them. Uh, and very little of the science really gets through because it doesn't sell things and it doesn't carry, you know, a, a monetary value attached to it. And I think, you know, the the running researchers certainly shake their heads when they see what shoe companies come out with because um, there's just a big disparity between what I I believe the researchers are saying and, and the way marketers that build shoes are saying, and you know, uh, it's so just, how was it received when you created this new idea? Um, it was kind of crazy because uh, we – so what happened is I initially started ripping shoes up in my toaster oven. And the goal, <laughs> based on all, all the research that I had seen, uh, was that the, the, the way shoes are built, meaning that they're heavier and thicker in the back half of the shoe. Yep. The heel is elevated and all the cool technology and plastic pieces and stuff are in the back half of the shoe. And you have these heavy heel counters that go around the, your heel and whatnot. Um, that makes your foot um, sink towards the ground or dorsiflex, meaning your, your heel ends up going more towards the ground than it otherwise would. And then because it's thicker, your foot catches the ground early and your foot lands in a way. Um, and it's not even so much that your heel striking as it is that you're landing out in front of your knee. Um, your foot is landing out in front of your body too far. Uh, and on average, it's like two and a half to three inches for most people landing differently, more out in front of their body than they would without a shoe on or without a shoe that has um, an elevated heel on. And that's really causing a lot of excess, you know, forces on the body, joint uh, torques and shear forces and impact and all kinds of stuff. And so from a... Um, from a build standpoint, I wanted to remove the elevated heel, but keep some cushioning because uh, we run on hard, perfectly flat man-made surfaces. Yep. And humans have Absolutely. dealt with hard surfaces for for eons, but they prefer yep. softer surfaces. But humans have never dealt with perfectly flat surfaces. Um, and even if you make the argument that barefoot is best, which I, I mostly agree with, um, barefoot is best on natural surfaces, and natural surfaces are not perfectly manicured flat. Like and so, yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, tracks and treadmills cause more injuries than any other running surface, and those are soft surfaces. And so we can see that the softness really isn't, um, you know, necessarily protective, um, nor is it, um, you know, the holy grail to have soft or to have hard. It's really about flat. Humans are not engineered to deal with perfectly flat surface as well um and then you know take that you're running and landing you know more out in front of your body when you have a shoe on and generating more impact every step being the same we get all kinds of problems and so that was kind of the running form side of things it was basically you know in a nutshell the way modern running shoes are built they cause people to overstride overstriding causes a lot more forces on the body and those forces obviously cause problems. And then on the foot side, uh, the fact that our feet are deformed out of their natural position. You know, our, our, our feet are, you know, like... They can't a, do a, what they're designed to do. Yeah, they certainly can't do what they're designed to do. And they actually physically change shape and start to look like shoes as the decades go on. And the longer you wear shoes, the more you wear shoes, the more pointy your shoes are, the higher the heels are in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the worse this is, of course. And then, you know, genetic predispositions. Some right. people uh, have more malleable bones than others. And so some people, it displays by age 12, where some people doesn't display until age 60. Well, you can uh, see but, that in women who chronically wear, you know, super, 
excuse me, super high heels. You know, when they take off their high heels at the end of the day, you know, your toes kind of stay in that pointy shape. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've even looked back at, um, and this, this is, this is weird, but I'm going to bring this up. So I've looked back at old, um, it, this was way back in the days of stumble upon and I went down a rabbit hole, but it was like looking at different foot shapes based on the sandals that they wore at the time. So like mm-hmm. this guy was from Rome because this is the way that they bound their feet in these sandals at this point. Yep. And like you can understand some genealogy now still passed down from those decades and decades of, of shoe deform deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just an undeniable fact that, um, your feet take on the shape that you put them in yep. period, you know, and you know, people don't think about it, but it includes your socks. If you wear, you know, most modern socks are way too small and way too tight. And even your socks are, are playing a role in deforming your feet over time. All right. So, so if I'm looking for the right sock, what sock am I going for? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, personally, I wear a lot of smart wool socks. I, I just do Merino wool. Personally, it's a natural fabric uh, yep. for most of my stuff, but what's well, you just got to find what works for you. Um, the biggest thing for me is any modern nice sock is never as big as your foot. So I'm like a size nine foot. I wear a size extra large sock that's built for size 15 people. And I think the size of the sock is more okay. important than the type of sock you wear. Uh, so, you know, if I'm doing like a, if I'm running really fast downhill, for for instance, I actually wear a, a Belega sock called a blister resist. And for me, it just, it does well with, um, for kind of ultimate uh, friction reduction. But again, I'm wearing a size, you know, size 15 or an extra large sock, even though I'm a size nine and it fits great. You know, it's uh, all of my socks fit me really, really well, even though I buy bigger. So that's like kind of tip one of the day. Just okay. if you want your, buy, to be comfortable, buy your socks a size or two bigger than the package says. Uh, okay. If you're buying nice socks, if you're buying cheap socks, um, this may not apply, but you know, stretchy okay. socks, you hold them up next to your foot and they're smaller than your foot. Yeah. So you create your prototype and you, you know, have the research to back it up and you think, okay, I'm onto something here. How, what's it like to take on, you know, but at this point, you know, everyone knows Nike and Adidas and all these other, you know, big jumping into the shoe game is not easy. I can't imagine it being a good, you know, an easy market to just jump into. How did that work out for you? Obviously, well, but what was that like? Yeah. Uh, it's career suicide. I mean, I've been I've been mulling this over for like a year and a half, um, and my cousin Jeremy gets gets a pair of shoes, and we start talking. And um, you know, I've been talking to my buddy Brian uh, a little bit as well. And um, you know, Jeremy just cannot fathom that there are no running shoes out there, no athletic shoes that don't have an elevated heel, that don't have a tapered toe box. You know, he's like, there's no shoes out there that leave your foot in its natural position, that's inconceivable, you know? <laughs> like, and I'm like, uh, what would I know? I just managed a running store, you know? And he's like, we have to, we have to build these, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's the quickest way to become homeless because <laughs> we've had the same seven running shoe brands since the beginning of running shoe time. Um, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> <Why not? laughs> uh, and, and the reason I say that is because at that point, um, by the time Jeremy had come around. I'd, I'd been prototyping shoes for about a year and a half. We'd sold about a thousand pair of these modified shoes out of my store. I should correctly say we <laughs> let the customers try them on and then they would, um, we would use a shoemaker down the road to modify the shoes and we, we would basically sell the shoes a size too big. We'd skip the laces open in the front so their toes are flopping around in space out so there. So they're in like Frankenstein oh shoes. Yeah. And then <laughs> we've got their, um, you know, we, we level out the cushioning, build up the forefoot or take, uh, take material out of the heel to make the cushioning be the same thickness and, and then we would weight balance the shoe to make sure it weighed the same front to back. Um, and we were obviously doing a lot of video analysis with this. We had some scientists um, at a lab nearby that were um, confirming the data for us. And uh, I had, you know, the, the idea was like, okay, let's just give it to the running shoe companies and say, hey, make shoes that just leave your foot in its natural position. Make shoes that are shaped. Get all the work for you. Do feet. this. Yep. Here's the research. Here's the data. We have a thousand customers worth of data saying these five major running injuries, plantar fascia issues, shin splints, runner's knee, IT band, and lower back issues. Uh, we're having like a 90% success rate. Um, we will buy thousands of pairs from you and give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Please make them. And, and they said, yes. Yeah, no. 
that, that definitely did not happen. And that really actually surprised me. Um, now, my dad had worked in, you know, and we had great relationships with all these shoe companies. So we thought maybe there was a chance. But, um, you know, looking back on it now, it was kind of naive. Uh, companies have built in customer bases there. It's it's really naive of, to ask them to change what they do or even make something that basically admits they've been building things wrong for decades. Um, that's just not going to happen, you know. So, um, yeah. So we, uh, Jeremy found these, uh, guys that had just left Nike and Adidas that were really shoemaking superstars. Um, uh, you know, the head of the kitchen at Nike, uh, guy that was Nike's last maker, uh, VP of development at Adidas, a guy that started computer animated designing for shoes. Uh, you know, the guy who basically invented this, um, and they basically got a hold of me and, you know, when they first called, it was like, hey, this is so-and-so from Nike or this is so-and-so from Adidas. And it's like, oh, crap, we're, we're, we're finally getting sued for hacking up all these shoes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we made a research project out of it. <laughs> you know, but, um, they're like, no, it's cool. We've been wanting to do the same thing. It's like, oh, you have? And they were like, yeah, we've known for 15 years shoes are supposed to be built this way. We've read all the same research you have. We've, we've also done that research internally. We know that shoes shouldn't have elevated heels. We know that shoes are supposed to be shaped like feet and allow your toes to spread and do their thing. Um, we, we basically know a shoe should be left, should leave the foot in its barefoot position. And uh, we, we want to work with you. And I'm like, why are you calling me? <laughs> you know? awesome. and, and they're kind of like, well, we're just, we're just, you know, guys at the end of our career that know how to build shoes, but we don't know anything about running and walking stores, shoe stores. Um, we don't really have a marketing story. Um, you ran all these marathons as a kid and, and have your incredible running career and, and all this stuff. And, you know, we think you guys have a marketing story and, um, you know, you obviously know the shoe store world. So let us take that and put it together with our shoemaking knowledge and let's get together and do this thing. And Ultra was born. And Ultra was born. Next thing I knew, um, we were a million dollars in debt and yay. <laughs> <laughs> Why the name Ultra? Where'd that come from? Hmm. Very good question. So we, we had a lot of names, uh, early on, but the, the one that, um, that really stuck was Altera. And Altera was, uh, I believe a Latin word that meant to, to mend or fix that which is broken. And I felt like the whole goal of everything that we were trying to do was improve people's running technique and improve their foot function. Um, and really the whole goal was to make science-based shoes to, um, reduce injury. And so we were literally trying to mend or fix broken runners. And then after none of the shoe companies cared that we had a scientific based solution to running injuries, then I felt like we were trying to mend or fix a broken industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd probably backtrack on that a little bit now. I'm, I'm a little more forgiving now, but uh, <laughs> at, at the time, it, you know, it really bothered me that shoe companies didn't care that we had all this data that, that we were getting rid of injuries. Um, but yeah, to mend or fix that, which is broken Altera. And then of course we got sued by Altera, the software company or threatened to be sued. And we didn't have time or money to fight it, even though we were assured we would absolutely win the lawsuit because it was a totally different class. But, um, so we, I was altering shoes. Uh, my buddy Brian and I were running ultra marathons and, um, there you go. Ultra. And we were altering shoes, uh, uh, you know, so you kind of mash all that together and you get Ultra, but it's really just Altera without an E at the end of the day, which we were too stupid to realize. And somehow, so was the <laughs> commission, and they magically approved it. So here we are today. Pretty cool. So originally, the plan of, of this whole project was to create shoes that, you know, would, would fix these problems and would fix the, the injuries and the issues with the running form. So how has that mission continued over the years compared to, you know, where you are now? Are you in the same space or has that evolved? Um, I think everything evolves, but I think, you know, uh, if you look at what we're trying to do, it's still very much the same. We're trying to improve people's running form. We're trying to improve their foot function and we're trying to reduce injury by doing that. Um, and at the end of the day, we're still trying to build shoes and features on shoes based on science, not on marketing. Um, and I, I still maintain we're really the first first running shoe company to ever do this. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not how shoe companies have been set up historically. 
historically running shoe companies have been set up as marketing people write the product briefs um, on how shoes are built. And so for me to, to write product briefs um, and to have, you know, basically been writing, you know, we're going to build this shoe based on these scientific principles and, and these studies is just a, it's just a total paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still really is the goal. Um, you know, we, we have a, an internal mission sh- statement where we want to inspire the world to move naturally. Um, and that's, that's a big part of, uh, you know, kind of a overarching way of saying, mm-hmm. you know, we want, we want to improve people's running form, improve their foot function, reduce their injuries and help them to move and run, um, better regardless of what activity they're doing. And we want that for everybody. So now other shoe companies um, out there, you know, when you look at their shoes that they have out there, a lot of them will have, you know, night and day shoes. Like this shoe has, you know, a huge heel drop, and this one might have a smaller heel drop, and this one might have, you know – this much cushioning and that much cushioning, but they offer so many different varieties. The one thing about Ultra is that all your shoes have similar, you know, the same zero bounds, zero drop, you know. Zero drop wide toe box. Right. That, that's what you're known for. So <laughs> Every day, day in, day out. Are all shoes created equal then with Ultra? Uh, no. I mean, so, I mean, you know, I would say uh, we are what I would say – we call it balance cushioning instead of zero drop now. Um, okay. And definitely they're not wide, they're foot-shaped. Um, so between the balance cushioning and the foot-shaped toe box, that's just a platform that allows you to apply it. I mean, the whole idea is those two things allow your foot to stay in its natural barefoot position. And then from there, it's like, what do we do with it? You know, you want to go run an ultra marathon okay. where your feet are going to get the crap kicked out of them at mile 80? Okay, we're going to give you a ton of protection and more cushioning and things like that because you're in ultra marathons. You probably have decent running technique. You're probably more worried about your feet giving out. It's really hard to train your feet to run that long. So we're going to we're going to throw more cushioning, more support, more protection at you in that instance. Or you know, um, you know, you're going to go do an obstacle course race where you need ultimate nimbleness. You need to be close to the ground. You need great traction for the mud. You need really sticky rubber for the walls. Um, all this stuff. So we're going to give you a shoe like the King MT, um, which is basically the opposite of the ultramarathon shoe. Both shoes leave your foot in its natural barefoot position and allow you to, to move with optimal running technique and your foot to function um, in its most natural, um, advantageous way. But they're miles apart as far as the way they feel, the way they function, what they're used for, etc. And then, of course, there's everything in between and different types of sports and activities as well that we make shoes for. Well, bringing up OCR, that's obviously what, you know, our main focus is here. And I would say that the vast majority of our listeners who have, you know, ultra knowledge and experience comes to the shoe you just mentioned, the the King MTs. Um, King MT. Which I have to say is my personal favorite shoe. (laughs) It is um, also my personal favorite. Oh, uh, okay. It's the shoe I, uh, if you look at my 2020 Strava, uh, mm-hmm. You can see what shoe I have logged the most miles in this year, and it is hands down not even close. King MT2. They are my absolute favorite shoes. The the two model, the improvements there are fantastic. But so we saw you guys, you know, kind of come onto the OCR scene, and we know last year y'all were partnered up with Spartan um, and partnered series, with the Trail yeah. Series. Yep. Um, and that's as well as not... attending a lot of regular um, Spartans as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but now that's no longer, you guys are no longer partnered together. What does the future look like as far as the OCR sport in Ultra? Are you guys still invested in us? Uh, I think so. It, it's it's a really good question. Um, you know, that really wasn't our choosing there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Spartan chose to do a, a deal with Kraft, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's more of an international deal and, and something that we just weren't able to match, frankly. Um, but, uh, you know, I would have loved to have, to have had that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm an OCR runner at times myself. I love the Spartan platform. Uh, I love mm-hmm. everything it stands for. I, I absolutely adore doing them and training for them. Um, 
So, um, but yeah, so, you know, for, for this year, uh, definitely not letting the, the, uh, gas off on the King MT2. We're still going to be very heavily going after OCR with that shoe. Um, but it, you know, it's also, in my opinion, it's, it's our best lightweight low to the ground, uh, you know, max protection trail runner as well. So, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's the great thing about that shoe specifically. I've talked many times about proprietary material and stuff. And when I saw the Vibram rubber on those things, Vibram is just a great compound used. I, I just think it's the best stuff that you can find for OCR realistically in, in a base platform there. Um, yeah. It depends on the Vibram rubber really. Um, yeah. And we use Mega Grip, which is is the best um, is the best yeah. gripping rubber that that Vibram makes. They do make several other compounds that are not nearly as good for that. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the crazy thing about a Mega Grip sole is it, it actually makes your shoe twenty dollars more expensive just by putting that yep. sole on your shoe. So <laughs> it's it's a huge upside. It, it is a huge, that you have to pay for. Um, it's a premium. It is, and we have a rubber on the Lone Peak that we call Max Track. That if if you actually look at measurables and um, you know uh, stats and stuff, it's almost identical to Mega Grip. Um, it's it's very similar. There's a few subtle differences. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I but, do love my Lone Peaks. They're for my longer trail. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a, a shoe like the King MT is not for all people at all times by any means. You know, if you're right. if if you're used to wearing thick, cushy shoes. And you get a pair of King, King MTs and try to run long in them, you are, you are gonna feel it. You know, your, your, your feet are gonna get a huge workout, your calves are gonna get really, really, um, pumped. Um, and for a few weeks, you're, you're gonna get more workout than you bargained for. I, well, I think, I, I think that's you know, just we'll what's said about anybody term. transitioning. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah, transitioning to ultra shoes, they're gonna be in for a heck of a workout. Well, it depends on the shoe though. You know, transitioning think, to a more cushy shoe, like a, Lone Peak is much easier than a thinner, lighter shoe like yeah. a King MT. Right. Or if fair. we were to throw them in a Temper and Olympus, they would experience almost no transition because there's just enough cushion there that um, right. it dampens the landing response, and, and then you don't have that. So, but, What is you your know, recommendation to people who are not currently in ultra shoes who are possibly running in you know, a 10-millimeter drop shoe yeah. to transition into ultra? It's super simple. Um, you just find the cushion level that is closest to what you're used to and get that same cushion level or a little bit more cushy of an ultra shoe. Um, and so if you're used to wearing, you know, thinner, lighter weight shoes, then, um, if you're looking for an OCR shoe, then, then going to the King MT2 is, is great. You know, that's, that's going to be awesome for you. But if you're used to wearing like an A6 gel Kyano or something that's a really thick, cushy, supportive, um, shoe, that's probably going to be a little bit more workout than you're bargaining for, um, or a little more work than you want to do to to get used to it. So, mm-hmm. um, it to me, it's pretty simple. Just uh, take what you're used to and try to get the ultra shoe that that has that feels just you know put it on your foot um, and say yeah this feels about the same amount of cushioning that I'm used to or maybe a little bit more cushioning than I'm used to. And as long as you do that, you're not really going to experience much of a transition at all. You know, it, it if it's done right, it's none. A few days, a week, you know, um, if it's done right, you know, three weeks at the most where you're having, you know, feeling much of anything. Um, so should be pretty simple. And, you know, uh, but again, just like getting the equivalent cushion and support level that you're used to having and maybe just go a little bit more to if you want to ease the transition. Now, if you want to get more foot strengthening benefits, uh, you want to get more form improvement benefits and you're willing to have uh, sore calves for a couple of weeks, then, mm-hmm. you know, then get the same amount of cushioning or a little bit less. Okay. So, yeah. Super simple. doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> there you go. Now let's talk about you as an athlete. You mentioned doing Spartans. What kind of a runner? What, what's your favorite? You got a little bit of, of a pedigree here though, back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, as far as being a, so you have the Guinness record or had did it. You, did you see that he just, it, uh, he just stopped it as far as being a, and he didn't say moron. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> Self, self-described moron. When did that start with you? Uh, well, if you look back, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's about to be referenced, but it started about age eight. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, no. So age eight, most kids are outside playing on playgrounds, and you're just 
plowing just, through marathons. Just plowing, plowing marathons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I, I trained for my first marathon at age nine and, and, okay. uh, I turned 10 right before my first one at age 10. So, uh, but it was, you know, uh, uh, fairly successful, I guess. I can't imagine <laughs> the looks some pipsqueak little 10 year old would have been getting Rolling up running a marathon and like setting decent times here. We're not talking about like yeah. slow poke. Uh, yeah, it was, I learned a lot of new vocabulary words, <laughs> um, especially late in the race. You know, it's just not great when, you know, you're 20 miles into your marathon and a three foot tall sawed off front with red hair runs by, <laughs> you're not happy, you know, and there's just words come out. And yeah, I learned a lot of new vocabulary words as, as a result of that for sure. Uh-huh. And then went on to set a world record. At what, at 12? At age 12, yeah. So, yeah, I ran, um, I ran 308 at age 10, which is a state record, and then, okay. uh, 257 at age 11. I was chasing this giant six foot tall trophy that they gave out to the performance of the day. It was the only thing I cared about, and I, I kept not getting it. Um, so. <laughs> Motivated I, by swag. You are right, in the right company. Exactly. You right. in the right so, place. <laughs> yeah, so I run this national best at age 11, 257. Don't get it. So I come back, train harder. And then at age 12, I uh, run 245, 34, uh, which, you know, like you said, is to, to date the fastest anyone has run a marathon uh, okay. in the world uh, at that age. So. And you're how old now? How long's that that record been? Uh, I'm 37, so that's 25 years old now, I guess. Right? Am I doing the math? Pretty badass. That blows my mind. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Well, we posted that we were going to have you on, and so I had asked for some listener questions. So I'm going to go through some of those if you don't mind. Love it. All right. So. What is your proudest moment or a pivotal moment for Ultra? Ooh, oh, man. You know, that's a really, really hard question. Getting the shoes on the market, honestly, just surviving. We were on the on the breath, breath of extinction 50 times. I mean, mm. the, the number of times I went to hell and back during that time period was, was a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, and when those first shoes hit the market and we sold through the first batch in three weeks, um, that was a pretty proud validation like, there. Like, oh, we're, we're going to make it like, it's going to be okay. You know? Um, yeah. and then, uh, not losing money. Uh, mm-hmm. that was, that was awesome too. Like not being in <laughs> of debt and not losing money after, you know, I think even that our first full year in business, um, I think we basically That's, broke broke even. So that not was many awesome. startups That's, can say that. Yeah, we yeah. managed that pretty well. So yeah, that's, uh, that's very impressive. You know, props to um, you know, uh, the, I guess there were only three of us at the time: Brian Beckstead, Jeremy Howlett, and and I for I kind of managed. Maybe Seth Wold was a part of the time too. Um, but yeah, just wow, uh, doing that, and then um, seeing uh, seeing the Lone Peak just become incredibly successful i mean basically an icon mm-hmm. um the you know the number one long distance hiking shoe in america uh it's been the best-selling trail running shoe in america it runs specialty um the way it's just dominated uh at rei as well um that's that's a pretty proud moment too so somewhere somewhere in there um and then just to see it working you know i honestly uh, every time I'm out in public, which I'm missing dearly right now, mm-hmm. uh, just, just have people come up to me and say, your shoes made it so I can run again, or your shoes made it so I could run period, or I hated running before I got your shoes. Um, and I'm always like, well, it's not necessarily just the shoes. It's the fact that the shoes help you to run better. You know, you, you learn to run in well, a way. When you run pain free, then yeah. you're going more prone to like to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you wear a shoe that helps, helps you and hopefully our education materials are a big part of this where you know it's like yeah the shoe is a running technique coach in a box you know and uh we want you to strengthen your feet and we want you to work on your running form beyond just what the shoe gives you um and seeing that in action you know basically every city i go to um every race i go to and having people come up and and tell me it works uh 
and that it's been incredible for them. And, and largely this brand has been built on word of mouth recommendations because let's be honest, you look at these shoes for the first time, they look different to you. Um, mm-hmm. Our, our yeah, shoes are sure. too weird to sell in an ad, you know, in a, a, a print ad in a magazine on, you know, a picture on a website. It's just like, it's not going to happen, you know? Um, right. So the fact that people are out there growing this brown brand word of mouth from one previously injured runner to another is probably my proudest moment, honestly. Okay. That's cool. Um, Easy one. Any plans in the future for steel-toed boots or shoes? <laughs> uh, not immediately. Uh, we are going to do a we, – we're working on some um, – some. Uh, I don't know what I can get away with saying here, so I better be careful. Uh, work-related, um, you know, versions okay. of, of current okay. shoes, um, uh, but not steel-toed yet. Um, okay. There's uh, that's something that I think would be really cool, though, and uh, hopefully someday we're either doing it ourselves or we share our technology with, uh, you know, with another brand to do it if if we're not going to do it after it ourselves, because it needs to happen. People need the benefits of natural foot positioning um, in the shoes they wear all day, every day. I mean, after all, the place you're putting your foot. 14 hours a day is more important than the shoes you're in for one hour a day when it comes oh, to foot right. health and, and everything else. I agree body alignment. So. All right. Um, you mentioned the King MTs, but what is your personal favorite trail and road shoes? Uh, well, King MT2 is definitely my favorite trail shoe. Uh, I have strong feet. I do enough barefoot running. Um, that I can wear that shoe for basically any distance. And mm-hmm. I mean, and there's an important principle here. The stronger your feet are, the less shoe you need. Uh, the weaker your feet are, the more cushioning and support uh, you kind of feel like you need. And, uh, you know, the goal for everyone sh- should be to get their feet strong so they don't have to wear as much shoe. Um, so, yeah, for me, uh, I'm adapted. My feet are strong. And, uh, you know, Vibra Mega Grip plus foot-shaped toe box plus uh, really awesome stone guard protection uh, and balance cushioning in a lightweight, low-profile package with massive lugs. Wow, I sound like an infomercial. Uh, <laughs> Look at you. Uh, it, you know, for me, it's just like that's that's my baby um, on the okay. trail for most conditions. Um, you know, obviously, I rotate shoes and I wear right, everything. Right. But on the road, um, not even close, Escalante Racer. Uh, it has the name Those Racer. Those are both of my favorites. Are they really? Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it's not actually a racing shoe. It could be a racing shoe if you're running longer distances. Um, but we, we've always special edition this shoe with races, um, like Boulder Boulder or Boston. Or the New York ones, because they're black York. and yellow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so hence the Escalante racer name. But if, if, again, if you're adapted, um, and you like a lower profile, lightweight, firm, responsive shoe, um, you know, I think it's the best shoe we make. And, it, of all the running employees at Ultra, um, it's our it's our personal favorite in house as well. So, all right. I adore two that. more. Um, right. What is your personal favorite or proudest race moment or PR? Okay, so we already established that I peaked at age twelve. It's been all downhill. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Next question. Um, no. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, there, there's a bunch, you know, I, uh, obviously the, the world best at age 12 was huge. Um, and, but, um, you know, as a, as a high schooler, it took me a while to learn how to run short, fast distances again after running marathons as a kid mm-hmm. and being able to kind of climb out of that hole win my first state championship was a, a very proud moment. And then the next year I actually went to the national championship and, uh, I roomed with Dathan Ritzenhine and, uh, a whole group of us actually broke the previous national record. It, it was wow. the, oh, that's cool. the that's fastest cross country race in the history of, of American distance running. And to be one of those people that broke the previous national record and to be a part of that was, was a pretty, pretty proud moment to say the least. Um, and then on a more recent note, um, 
I had to come back. I, I ran my first marathon in over 20 years or raced my first marathon in over 20 years a couple of years ago. Okay. And to not get bit, beat my 12, by 12 year old me was awesome. <laughs> Cause I was terrified that like if anything went wrong, you know, 245 is not slow. And and that's aggressive. Good that's very aggressive. Yeah. Even if you're in 230 <laughs> shape and anything goes wrong, you might not beat 245 and then, and then you get beat by 12 year old you. So, um, yeah, it, it, it that, uh, I, I was only able to I put together a training program on 25 miles a week, u- utilizing like super oh, specific training. Um, yeah, that is yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of training specificity, and to be able to you know be as busy as I am running the shoe company, only being able to really run 25 miles a week on average, um, but to be really smart and specific okay. with my training, and to come in and to run 235 and beat 12 year old me. I, I was pretty happy with that that next well, year. That's definitely a true testimony yeah. to quality over yeah. quantity, and yeah. that's something that we've we've talked about pretty often, you know, quite frequently here. But yeah, and I also did multiple Spartans that year, which I really think helped um, helped with that as well. So that was my uh-huh. only my second year that I'd ever done any Spartans. So nice. All right, last one, and I don't know how much you'll be able to tell us, but any exciting news on the horizon that you can tease us with mm. um i mean some of you may have seen this but we uh, so this, this is maybe not super new but um uh we have spartan edition king mt2s available on our website right now okay um, even though you're not yeah. partnered with them anymore yes they so they still sell them and we still have them so um and so there, there actually is a partnership there. It's just not a, um, since they have a official footwear sponsor now with, um, craft, um, gotcha. um, it's, it's a little bit of a different partnership, but yeah, you can go on the altar website right now. I'm holding a pair in my hands right now. They're so beautiful. Spartan masks. Oh, the side of the my language. Um, <laughs> there's, there's multiple colors as well. So there's a, there's a blue and a red, both for ladies and men. Um, and they're, they're different, but, uh, they're pretty phenomenal. Um, so that's pretty dang exciting if you ask me. I uh, think so. And the, just in case anybody wants to know, my number one logged miles shoe of the year is the red Spartan edition of the King MT2. So. Well, there um, you go. And, uh, so that's exciting. Let's see what else. Um, oh, the, um, also if you like light fast shoes, um, the superior 4.5 is about to come out. Um, Fancy. and it's, it's got a lot more, um, kind of a, a stretchier upper to it that holds, holds the, uh, holds your foot in place better than the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about an ounce lighter than the King MT2, which means it's about two and a half ounces lighter than the original King MT. Oh, wow. uh, they're phenomenal. They're super comfortable. Uh, those launch in, uh, just, just a couple months here. And, um, that's, a, that's going to be a really fun shoe for when you don't need tons of big lugs, you know, for more, uh, mixed, uh, trail running. mixed train. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll actually be, you know, you'll see some expansions and rifts on the Lone Peak family. And for the Max Cushion people out there, the new Olympus that's going to come out in a couple months here is really, really awesome. Um, so the, those of you guys who are, who are doing like ultras and beasts and, and mm-hmm. going really long, um, that's, I, I think you'll, you know, for the late stages of the race, you'll really appreciate the uh the new olympus also with a vibra mega grip sold that's that's pretty retooled so that's sweet awesome well i think that about does it for me wow it was so fast (laughs) (laughs) rapid fire we like that here right thank you so much for spending some time here with us today um and thank you for just um for what you've done here and helped so many runners here over the over the past years and helping develop Something that needed to happen. Right. Well, uh, really, thank thank you guys. Thanks for having me on to uh, spread the message and uh, you know help people understand more of what we're about. And you know, everybody listening, uh, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, thank you for wearing the shoes. Um, those of you that do, um, those of you that don't, thanks for considering them or, or even giving them a try. Uh, but especially thank you to those of you who wear them and tell others about them. Um, it's really because of you that we're, we're able to be successful as a brand. Um, so thank you. Awesome. Absolutely.
Well, we appreciate you joining us, and you have an awesome night. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, that was neat. (laughs) I like talking to him. Can you imagine running next to a little 10-year-old in a marathon? Well, I I run against – was I telling you this about this? Uh, It was earlier this year, and I was doing like a a four-miler here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so running on roads, like, and doing – my marathon still, like, I don't have a pedigree in running. I don't. Um, I used to hey, be you've run a marathon. I've never run one. I've, I've ran enough marathons now. Um, not not crazy fast times or road races, but I was running up against these high school kids on a trail run in the middle of the winter. And we got to the creek, and when they all hit the creek and they started screaming because it was so cold, I was like, ah. <laughs> there it is. That's what age does. <laughs> You just don't feel pain anymore. <laughs> you just, right. just kind of go with it. But um, no, no, no. Those little kids that can run like that and right. being a guy that, that was that little kid, that's that's really fun. <laughs> right, right. Motivated by swag. Maybe, maybe you need punk to get high more school into kids. Oh, God, those punk high school kids do eventually grow up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And turns out they're still actually really good runners. Still really good runners, (laughs) yep. And that's great. That's great. Um, So, yeah. I guess that's that's realistically we've got – Leah, what do you got on the schedule right now? Gosh. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Well, I mean, I am doing the the High Rocks Home Series, so that's an active thing going on right now. Um, but other than that, my next scheduled not yet canceled race is Frontline. Frontline. That's on it's on the schedule right now, as of right now. As of right now, not canceled yet. So we shall see. Fingers we crossed. We shall see. I'm I I I'm speculating. Things are looking rough. Just it's, it's so hard to that's honestly the hardest part of this whole thing for me. And I think a well, majority even, like, of making people. content for me because it's you, like yeah, it you can't plan. You can't. we can't plan. We can't talk about exciting things. We can't like I'm afraid to talk about things because I don't know if something's right. going to get canceled. If it's going to be on or if it is on, then suddenly they're like fighting people saying, "Oh, you know, you're a big jerk for going there." Right. Well, I mean, everyone's or, got an opinion about everything. You, you oh, open absolutely. up anything. I mean, that's probably the most discouraging thing about this whole this whole world status it's so right polarizing. now yes in some respects it's brought out the good in people like none other you hear all these stories of these companies like breweries making hand sanitizer yep, and clothing yep. companies stopping their clothing and making masks, masks yep. all kinds of great stories and then you have the flip side of the coin of the true just disgusting selfishness of human and it's just heartbreaking to see the just greed and selfishness out there. It's it's that. Then there's it's just for me it's the that the the polarizing like really big nasty stuff. That's one thing. It's mm-hmm. the little everyday nagging stuff that I get annoyed by. Like it's just the constant like, well the media is hyping this too much, right. or. Like, this is going on, or this is going on. Oh, you the- posted a picture with a friend, you know, they weren't really six yep. feet away, and then just slam you for that. Exactly. Just just a little. And I'm a, it, like, it's like the paralysis by analysis. Like, I'm almost afraid to post or say or do anything. Like Someone's got something to say. <sighs> but, and that's, like, at that point, like, you don't even want to make content anymore. Like, right. you don't even want to voice your opinion, because it's like, you've heard everybody else's. Right. Oh, and you just get tired, and you yeah. just get tired. Um, but well, we're gonna hopefully stay out of that, and we're gonna and, stay out of that. We're gonna yep. be back in the better graces of things here in the coming weeks. We're gonna run some miles, we're gonna run some trails, and we're gonna be okay. And that's yep. That's Eventually, we'll come out of this. To. It's got to end Eventually, at some point. In time, in time. <laughs> I just hope our fall races are here, though. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, some hmm. random random thing though. Tell me. Uh, the other day, I was I was running. Um, did you get well, – you, I don't know if you would have qualified. Uh-oh. Um, so, yeah, I got an email that I qualified for the Ultra World Championship again. 
for, as an elite? Oh, uh, yeah, I did not get one. Okay. Um, but I've seen them all going around, and it's, I, it seems as though if you ran uh, an ultra last year, you're no, qualified. no, no, it based off your 2019, 2018 qualifications. Oh, okay. That's what they that's what they based it off of. Okay. Um. Or was it the qualifications from 2019? It was your qualifications it must have been from 2019. Yeah, I so ran it was last 18. year's qualifications. They're letting that throw through to the 2020. In Killington. To Killington. And I'm half tempted. <laughs> yeah. I'm half tempted. Like, I, I mean, I, I will say there's some fall races that I wasn't initially planning on, but now that, you know, who knows what's about to happen, that I might now consider. Well, here, here's my track, five to six mile track, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the thing is that an ultra championship like this, there's only going to be five, six hundred people there. That's true. You're going to be able to space out enough. So who knows? Um, we'll see. Lots we'll of see. penciled in plans. Absolutely. And that's kind of we're speculating right now. Yeah. And that's part of the ball game. Um, so, yeah. But you know what has been helping me a little bit here recently? Tell me. This podcast was brought to you by Venga CBD. <laughs> well, that was not just, you know, tee it up and hit it out of the park. <laughs> no, no, I swear to God. <laughs> guys, Jay and Dave, if you're listening right now, we love you guys. Uh, Absolutely. Venga is, is uh, the Brociar, you know, podcast, the Supercast here, our CBD of choice. Um, I sleep better with Venga, period. Like, if there's one thing I can swear by right now, I'm getting better REM sleep and REM cycles right now with Vanga. Period. That's always been my biggest claim to, to fame with Vanga is the sleep. But I will say, in recent weeks, since being at home and just having no other choice but to do high-intensity interval weight training stuff in my basement, our prison workouts, and prison not having stuff. much other choices, I've been so, like beating myself down and getting sore and Venga is keeping me going and helping me not stay sore. So love it. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. Once again, as always, use code BROCR. Save yourself some cash there when you're at checkout. Um, if you've got any questions about CBD, um, you know, hit out the team. Hit, hit us up. We're always happy to talk to you about CBD oil For and sure. how we feel about it. Um, and I've check out good... their recent price drops with the quarantine. They have dropped their prices and you stack on Fifteen percent off code. It's going to be much more affordable for you. Yeah, and they're also giving money back to the charity to help find a cure. You know, a portion mm-hmm. of your proceeds will go help find a cure, a, a vaccine for COVID nineteen, which is just mm-hmm. cool. And I, yep. I applaud that. Um. So yeah, I think that's everything we've got I this think week. That's it. Um. Anything else you want to say, Leah? Oh, no. I, I mean, what do you so, got? Well, well, I've been talking about. We've been talking about ultra all this yep. time, and I've bit my tongue. Like, I bit my tongue hard. <laughs> we we have shared that you are a psalming boy. I am a psalming boy. We didn't say anything there to Golden because I respected him. <laughs> I respected his ground, by golly. Right. Well, but, I mean, it's, part of it, too, is, you know, we all have our favorite brands, but we can also yeah. acknowledge, you know, other quality products you know i'm a salming man and it is a it is a quality product dang it and it's a good shoe and right now i'm getting that shoe out to the people (laughs) all righty so So there's a giveaway giveaway right now it'll be going until wednesday i'll choose a winner wednesday night um this is coming out tuesday morning so you've got a day and a half left basically i'm going to choose a winner tuesday night uh, to receive a new pair of the elements three shoe elements three shoe is an upgraded version of the elements two just like we see iterations of other shoes from different companies um better rubber on the bottom wide wider toe box um you know it's going to help help that cushion i like them i think they're great i love the fit of them the thing i like about a lot of the things with Salming, uh, the fit's consistent. Shoe to shoe to shoe, I felt very consistent with the top half. What they're changing out is the bottom and the thickness and the rubber and the materials. Um, check out my Instagram. I'm giving away a pair here in the day. So, yeah, the rules are all there. And um, your Instagram for people to go to? Brosacker. There you go. Just Brosacker. One word like Madonna. And speaking of Instagrams, if you guys are not already following us at our new Instagram at the.supercast, please do. Um, like, share the episodes, comment, 
we would appreciate it. Absolutely. Until then, uh, hopefully we'll be back again next week. Hopefully. If you guys have any topic ideas that are not related to the doom and gloom of COVID. I've got some fun ones. Okay, so I'm going to pitch this here at the end. Okay. Okay, so I want to bring on my friend Matt Rust and talk about the Christie Boys, uh, which is our run club here in Columbus, um, and kind of talk about uh, a friend of mine named Patrick Bowman and why Matt runs because of Patrick Bowman. Okay. Um, additionally, I would love to talk about my friend Casey Cole. Uh, so he's one of the guys in here. I'd love to make a podcast. And I've talked to you about Andy Miller, too, before, which is mm-hmm. really weird. He's a runner buddy of mine who's lost a bunch of weight, who does illustration. Casey has very weird jobs, too. And he's lost a bunch of weight on running. He's gotten really into running. likes it now. Okay. But he has made the majority of his money off of making punk rock lullabies. Okay. So what he he does is he runs a uh, he's got his own company called Sparrow Sleeps that he started making like lullabies and midi tracks of like newfound glory or Blink One Eighty Two and turns okay. them into like a, like lullaby pieces. So okay. He's, like he's right now signing deals with like Tenacious D, Panic at the Disco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And, like, on in conversations with some of these guys, like, going back and forth and and plowing miles with me when he can. <laughs> like well, y'all think stuff. that's something you want to hear about? Let us know. Yeah, yeah, hit us up. Yeah, it'd be fun to do some crazy, weird stuff like that. Um, until then, I'm Jacob Bosecker. And I'm Leah Hensley. Guys, stay, stay safe out there. We love you all. Take care. This has been the Bro CR Supercast, powered by Bro CR Media. We always love reviews. Oh, and shout outs too. Wanna be on the review? Drop us a line. We know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there, but you choose to laugh with us for a while. So thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.